Well, today is the day. It's time to get you some sandals, church. Today is a great day. My name is Jeff, and I get to serve all of you, our online community, and I love it. I mean, I really love this. I I, I, I believe I got the best job. I, I love it better than eating some crab legs, and I'm from the East Coast. I'm an East Coast brother from Baltimore, so that's saying something. Speaking of Baltimore, where are you watching from? We'd love to know. Seriously, let us know right now in the chat. Also, make sure you share this service and this message with someone. Many of you are here because someone cared enough about you to share this with you. So return the favor and help someone experience a church that is all about being real, real with themselves, God, and others. Well, now we are going to jump into a time of singing. So let's do that right now. We're gathering and joining all around the world to worship God, to lift up one voice, one song. And we say it a lot that we're gathering all around the world, but we say it because it's really wonderful that we are united together in who God is, in all his goodness, in all his glory. And the Bible actually says that God in advance chose us. He chose us and when he chose us, he called us, we called us, he gave us right standing. And when he gave us his right standing, he gave us his glory. Some of us need to be reminded, I need to be reminded that he has given me his glory. And it's what I love about him. And that's what worship is. We often overcomplicate this time, but what simply worship is, is to just tell God, I love you and you are worthy. You're worthy of my song, you're worthy of my praise. And when we do that, when we tell him what we love about him, he tells us what he loves about us. He tells us who he is, that he has given us right standing, that he has given us his glory. So before we sing, before we actually jump in, I wanna invite him into this space. And I want you to invite him into your space. He is with us, but it's a posture of surrender and openness to him to just say, God, would you come? Would you come and would your glory fill this space? Would it fill us? So as a sign of just receiving that, would you open up your hands wherever you are, wherever you're watching? If you're all alone, that's okay. Or if you're with others, don't be embarrassed. This is what we get to do together. Just open up your hands as a sign to receive his glory. And I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna sing and I want you to join in. God, we love you. That's why we're here, to just tell you that we love you, God. That you are good, that you are mighty, you are glorious. And God, sometimes we need to be reminded, but the beautiful thing about you is that you never get tired of reminding us. So now, in this moment, would you remind us of what you have given us, right standing and glory. Would you come and fill every space, every home, every heart, every family? Would you occupy it? Would you fill it with yourself, Jesus Christ? Turn our eyes away from everything that is around us and on you, the almighty God, the almighty fortress who promises to be with us and who is with us right now, fully present in all that you are and all of your glory. We love you, God. It's to you that we sing and that we worship.
sing this together. Oh, mighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Let's sing. In Almighty Fortress, you go before. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. 
I love our time of singing together. Hey, if you just got here, welcome to Sandals Church. My name is Jeff and I'm the online campus pastor. Hopefully you are hanging out with your friends, family, or your Sandals Church Anywhere gathering, enjoying the service together. Or if it's just you in your apartment or maybe you're working out, we're so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Maybe you're on that treadmill working out today. <laughs> Work out a little bit for me, praise the Lord. If you got kiddos running around, we have programming just for them. You can set them up by going to kids.sandalschurch.tv. If you got middle school or high schoolers, invite them to enjoy the service with you. And then later on this week, they can go to Sandals Church Youth on YouTube where they can enjoy awesome content just for them. This past weekend, we had Sandals Church Anywhere launch in South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Wow. So this weekend, while we're gathered here online, our South Carolina friends, how you doing guys? Welcome friends, <laughs> is with us. And today we launched Rancho Cucamonga Sandals Church Anywhere in California. Man, this is awesome. And next we have lined up Baton Rouge, Louisiana, then in Washington, DC, then in Chicago, then in Melbourne, Australia, then in Portland, Oregon, and then in Massachusetts and UK, India, and the list goes on and on. If you want to learn more or know someone who wants Sandals Church near them, head to sandalschurch.com anywhere. And friends, we are able to do this because of your giving. We are literally going around the world because you have partnered with us financially. Thank you so much. If you would like to give, you can do that now by going to give.sc. Hey, I am so excited for the message this week. This past week, we had a message in the comments from Maria. Maria said, today I'm turning 26. All right, happy birthday. <laughs> this message got me to evaluate my way of living and faith. Thank you for a powerful message. Grateful for my friend who introduced me to Sandals Church, even though we are miles apart. And then we also had DK Fresh, D DK Fresh, that was my nickname in high school. D no, no, it wasn't. DK Fresh said, Pastor Matt, your messages are spot on and the timing is perfect. I'm so glad you decided to do this series. As an independent voter, I think you're doing a great job exposing everyone's silliness and biases. Thank you for all the work you do. God bless you and your family and all individuals at Sandals Church. Man, that is awesome. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, DK Fresh. And thank you all for continuing to lean into this awesome series called Election. Well, we are about to hear another powerful message from Pastor Matt. So get ready, buckle up. It's going to be good. Mm, I know it will be. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm just so, just so blessed that you've decided to join us for this controversial, difficult series called Election, Seeing Politics Through the Eyes of God. And today I want to talk with you about this question. I know we've all had it. Where is God in conflict? Where is God? I want to read this verse to you. I think we need to change this from Psalms 42.3 to Psalms 20.20. Amen. This is, this is a new number, a new psalm. It says, day and night, I have only tears for food, right? I mean, that's been 2020, man. Just challenge after challenge, issue after issue. All of this heartache, all of this hurt, everything's been turned upside down. Listen to what the psalmist says. While my enemies continually taunt me, 
You feel like people are coming against you. You feel like there's division. You feel like there's disagreement. Listen to this. My enemies taught me saying, where is this God of yours? Where is God? And I think a lot of us, we have, we have to admit, we ask that same question. God, where are you? God, where are you? Amen. I mean, at first COVID was great, a little quality time. Then you're like, this is COVID time. I need out of here. First, you try to save your kids. Then you're like, you need to get COVID. We'll see what God does, right? You just, you just, need, to, you just need to get sick and we'll see. It's in the Lord's hands. But we've had conflict at home. My wife and I have had some crazy fights, man. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? God, where are you? Where are you, God? Then we got work, right? You're commuting. The boss doesn't feel like you're working, man. Even my own employees, I'm the best boss on earth. Even they're like, I don't know about Pastor Matt, right? There's all this conflict. There's all this conflict. Then we have church. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? You know, are you for Trump, against Trump? Are you, are you gonna march, not gonna march? Do Black Lives Matter? Don't they matter, right? And we're at each other's throats. And then, because God didn't feel like 2020 was enough, we got a presidential election, right? <laughs> I mean, between the two oldest guys in the history of the world, because they're our future, amen? Oh my gosh. Man, I mean, Trump tweeted, you know, a picture of Biden in a restaurant. I was like, brother, you're not far behind, man. You're not far behind. So where is God in conflict? Where is God? Write this down, never forget it. God is present even in what's been kept secret. Right, so you think there's conflict out there. I want you to know there's a lot more conflict in here. You see, what we're dealing with in our society today is what we can see, what's reported. What we don't deal with is what's hidden. And so what I want you to do is I want you to look at this passage of scripture. It, it begins with these words, Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, most of the times in the book of Joshua, Joshua is called Joshua or Joshi or Josh, right? Like my mom, she calls me Matt, but she named me Matthew Stephen Brown. And I was only called Matthew Stephen Brown when I was in trouble. Some of you call me Matt. Some of you call me uh, Pastor Matt. Some of you call me uh, Master Pat, which is just, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Master Pat, I have a question for you. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can't call me that. <laughs> but when I was in trouble, my mama called me Matthew Stephen Brown. I want you to know this passage begins with Joshua, son of none. Why? Next sentence, Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim. Are you in Shittim today? Shittim is the land of secrets. And so Joshua wants to check out the land the Lord's already given him. Joshua's wavering. Are you wavering today? He's wavering. He says, go and view the land, especially Jericho. Now, Jericho is a beautiful city. It's an incredible spot. It sits right on the Jordan River between the country of Jordan and the country of modern day Israel. It's gorgeous. If you live in Southern California, Jericho is like Temecula, just over the coastal range, right? You can grow incredible wine there. It's an incredibly beautiful place. That's why people have been living there for, uh, depending on you know, your math, eight to 10,000 years. It's a beautiful, wonderful place. One of the oldest known continuous cities in the world. So they went there and God wants them to start at Jer Jericho. Amen. Like if you're going to live in the Inland Empire, check out Temecula first. Okay. Cause it goes downhill from there. So check it out. It's a beautiful land. And so they went and they came to the house of a prostitute. Men, your business trips are not secret. You know how I know nobody went with these dudes and yet we know where they stayed. Now, if you grew up in church, you never paid attention to this. But if you're a sinner, you're like, what were they doing at her house? 
Can you imagine explaining this to your wife? I was on a trip. It was the only place we could stay. You know, they were so welcoming. Yeah, it's a brothel, bro. It's a brothel. And they went and they came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab. And they lodged there. They spent the night in a brothel. They were doing the Lord's work, right? Sounds like a politician. <laughs> and so, you know, let me just tell you something. You know what travels faster than Twitter? Secrets. That's what travels, you know, faster than Twitter, man. I love my wife. She can't keep a secret, man. If I give her, I say, I'm going to tell you something. You can't tell somebody. She's already, I haven't even told her yet, and she's ready to share it. <laughs> she just dies, man. She just wants to tell people. I got, I got information. <laughs> right? Secrets travel faster than Twitter. And all you ladies, oh, I got best friends. They don't share. <laughs> Women, how come there's so much gossip? You know what guys don't gossip? We can't remember. And we didn't care in the first place. <laughs> what? You said, what? It's true. And it was told to the king, right? We got a secret mission. You feeling me? Secret mission. Nobody knows. And it was told to the king. You know why? Information gets out. One time I was shopping in a, a part of town that I don't normally shop. And somebody came up to me, Pastor Matt, are you sneaking around? I was like, I don't sneak anywhere. Everywhere I go, people are like, he's here, he's here, he's here. I see him. I'm watching him. He's here. There's no such thing as secrets. It says, behold, these men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Not only do they know they're here, they know why they're here. The whole mission is blown up before it starts. Then the king of Jericho, he sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you. Not only do they know that they're men who have come, they know why they come and they know where they went. Oh my gosh. Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. Right? Where is God? God is present even in the midst of your secrets. Think about this. God is present right now as I speak, right now as you're listening, right now as I'm speaking. God is present in what you are intentionally hiding. You think you've got it all covered up. Let me tell you something I've learned about cover-ups. They don't work forever. The truth comes out. The truth comes out. People are going to find out what you said, what you did. Man, people always say, well, do you believe in government conspiracies? Man, they're not even good at doing what they're supposed to do, much less covering it up. <laughs> Listen to Psalms 42, 21. Would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Oh man, when I was a kid growing up in the 80s, I loved this band called the Romantics and they had this song, I loved it. I know the secrets that you keep, bunna, bunna, when you're talking in your sleep. Oh man, it's such a good song, <laughs> right? And that's everybody's worst fears. You start talking in your sleep and you just start sharing what's going on. Can you imagine husbands, your wife wakes up like, what'd you say, what'd you dreaming about? Scary. Look, the Lord doesn't need to hear it when you talk in your sleep because he already knows what's going on in your soul. Psalms 90 verse eight, you have set our iniquities. That's a big fancy word for lots of sin. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. You know what's gonna happen on judgment day? It's all gonna come to light. It's all gonna be laid bare and we're gonna get to meet the real you. I always love it when people say, not my son, not my daughter, not my husband. Look, man, there are things about all of us that we don't want anybody to know. There are things about you you don't want to know. And it's all going to come out. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Matt, that's the Old Testament. 
Well, let me bring you some New Testament. Romans 2.16, the author of grace, the apostle Paul, the one who saved, were, were saved by grace, said this, according to my gospel, that's his gospel, the one he teaches, the one he preaches, the one we believe at Sandals Church. According to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men's heart by Jesus Christ. You see, you and I, if we're honest, we believe life is about what we get caught doing. The Bible teaches that judgment will be about what we did do, what we didn't do. The sins of commission, the things we did, and the sins of omission, the things we know we should have done, but we didn't do. Jesus says every thought, every deed, every action, every word will be laid bare before God. And you and I will stand naked and God's light will shine right through us. Are you ready for that? The good news is God already knows you're a sinner. God already knows you're a disaster. God already knows you're a mess. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. See, some of you are afraid that God will discover what God already knows. And you just need to get honest and you need to get real about it. So here's what you need to know. Where is God? God is present in the midst of secrets. Next, God is present in what's currently hidden from you. It's not just the bad stuff that God knows about us. It's the good stuff. Psalms 51, six, behold, you delight in the truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Look, not only are you not aware of your sins, but you're not aware of your blessings. You're not aware of your beauty. You're not aware of your giftedness. One of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament, people ask me all the time, Pastor Matt, why, why is your vision to be real? Here's one of the verses, your real life, not your fake life, not the life you're currently living. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You don't even know the real you. You've never even met the real you. But God knew you and met you before you were ever born. Before your parents saw you and held you, God knew you. And he says in his word that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. There are things about you that only God knows, that only God knows. So where is God in the midst of conflict, right? So God is present, present even in the midst of secrets. And, and that's what this whole political campaign is about. All the secrets, all the cover-ups, you know, what's going on? Everybody's like, shh, shh, right? Where is God in conflict? Number, the next point, God is working for truth in the midst of lies, right? Both sides, they're a liar, he's a liar, she's a liar. They're all liars. They're all liars. Oh my gosh, talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Some of you gotta Google that because that's an old saying. But I mean, we should all just chuckle when one politician calls another politician a liar. I mean, my goodness, my goodness. Like somebody like Donald Trump's the worst liar ever. Go back to the eighties and look what Jimmy Carson said about Joe Biden. They were making fun of that guy's truth telling abilities in the eighties. Some of you weren't even born yet. And look at Kamala Harris. I will not stop fracking. Google it, Google it. And then you're like, that's why I'm voting for Trump. Okay, he's gonna be huge. It's bigly, he handled COVID perfectly. He doesn't fake bake, what? Come on, no human being can get that color of orange naturally. It's not real, it's fake. They're all lying. And we're all running around for the most honest snake in the grass. Come on, people. Here's the thing. 
We need to know this, man, that God is working for truth in the midst of lies. So we have this incredible story. We have this amazing story about redemption, about salvation, about faith. And in the middle of all this, the hero of our story, Rahab, is a liar. God is working in the midst of lies. The woman had taken two men and hidden them. She hid them. I think she's good at that. Maybe wives had come knocking on doors, amen? You know what I'm saying? Is my husband here? No, I don't know what you're talking about. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Remember, the king of Jericho, he's asking, where are the men? I don't know, I haven't seen them. And she said, true, men came to me. And you know the most dangerous lie? The one with a little truth in it. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Lie. Pinocchios, one, two, three, four. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out, they left, they're not here. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly and you will overtake them. Lie, 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 lie. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks with flax that she had laid in the roof. You know why? Because I think she's good at hiding men. She's really good at it. Look, everybody's a liar. You're a liar, I'm a liar, we all lie. And so the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fjords. She lied to her own people, her own friends, her own protectors. She did all this, but God was still working for truth. One of the things I think we need to deal with as a culture and especially as Christian women, we need to, we need to stop championing this phrase, believe women. Look, if you're a Christian woman, I want you to believe God and I want you to work for truth. And some of us were so caught up when somebody's emotional or somebody cries. Look, just because somebody cries doesn't mean they're not lying. I learned a long time ago, tears don't communicate truth. And emotion is not authenticity. I've been lied to every, by everyone, black, white, male, female, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat. Like, I just feel like that's what people do to me. They lie to me. And I learned a long time ago, you, it's really, really easy to believe someone too quickly and to rush to judgment. And the truth is we all become the judge, the jury and the executioner because we know, I know, I can just tell. One of the most horrific racial episodes in our nation histories is the murder of Emmett Till, a young 14 year old boy visiting from Chicago to his family in Mississippi. He'd spent all day working in the cotton fields, picking cotton, and they had gotten some money. And so they went to a store of white owners who sold to blacks in Mississippi. And Emmett Till, apparently, we don't know exactly what was happening. He's a boy. He's a kid saying things. We don't know what was said. But at the end of the day, the owner of the store accused him of groping her and touching her and flirting with her. She accused him of sexual assault. And so the men of the city ran out, found him, and murdered him and dragged his body through the streets and threw it in the river. I want you to know that later in life, there are multiple sources that said she's admitted to making the whole thing up. And a young man lost his life because people believed women. Come on, ladies, you met women. You met, you know women. It's not just men who are evil. It's not just women who are evil. It's because human beings are sinful. We're sinful and we gotta be so careful whom we believe and we wanna rush to judgment and we make these quick decisions, right? We watch a debate and we're like, I could tell who's telling the truth. You know what I've learned? I can't distinguish good liars 
from people who are telling the truth because they're good at it. They're good at it. Colossians 3, 9 and 10, one of my favorite verses says this. It says, don't lie to each other. Why would the Bible say that? Why would the Bible say that? You know why there are commands in scripture? Because people do this kind of stuff. That's why when you read through the book of Leviticus, you're like, whoa, yep. Because God sees what we do. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. You see, Rahab wants to make a good decision, but she's not a good person yet. She's still lost. She hasn't been saved. She has a sense of what's right, but she doesn't yet know how wrong she is. She's on the border, but she hasn't crossed over. She's not yet converted. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Oh my gosh. And then some Christians are, so, you know, because God blesses Rahab. Oh, so God's saying it's okay to lie. No, it's, that's why it's in the 10 commandments. Don't lie. She's in a tough spot. If she tells the truth, these guys die. These guys die. And we live in an imperfect world where it's very, very difficult to figure out sometimes what right and what wrong is. These are complex situations. Look, if you were Jewish and, and, and some Germans were hiding you and the Nazis knock on the door, do you want them to tell the truth? Is that the right thing to do? We have to be very, very careful. We have to be very, very careful before we judge. But you know why we judge her? Because we don't see ourselves. Colossians says, put off falsehood, take it away. You see, God wants to change the clothes that you wear. Many of us are closed in dishonesty. We've been raised in a culture of lying. We've been raised in families where we don't even know what the truth is. And the truth is so many of us come to church and we judge Rahab because we've not let God judge ourselves. This is one of my favorite suits up until a couple weeks ago. It was my only suit, but I'm dressing up, getting ready for the dance. But I want you to know, and if you've attended Sandals Church, you've seen me wear this suit in times past. When I come up and I tell you, look, this is not who I am. And I show you this shirt that I keep in my closet. This is the real me. This is the real Matt Brown, not the suit. You see, clothes can't cover what's wrong with you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cover what's wrong with you. And I want you to know that the first sin I wrote right here on my belly says lies because we all lie. And I get parents all the time, well, my kids never lie to me. That's because you're lying to yourself. Kids lie all the time. My kids lie when they don't have to. You ever found that? Do you do this? No, why? I would never do that, Father. Well, I'm not saying it was wrong. I just want to know, did you eat the cookie? I don't know, why? And there's like crumbs. <laughs> wow, what's going on? We all lie. And we lie for multiple reasons. Just like Rahab, we're afraid of the truth. We're afraid of the truth. We're afraid of what's going to happen. You see, Rahab, I think ultimately, is not just afraid of what will happen to the spies, but she's probably a little concerned of what will happen to herself because she's allowed spies in her home. One of the reasons we lie is for self-protection. And let me tell you this, if you're in any kind of relationship, listen to me. There's no intimacy when there's lying. The only way you have intimacy is when you establish honesty. That's it. You have to learn to be honest. And some of you are like, well, yeah, but my husband or my, my wife won't, won't speak the truth. That's probably because they're afraid 
to speak the truth. You see, God invites us to speak this truth and then he doesn't clobber us when we do. So where is God in the midst of conflict? Never forget this. God is softening the heart of my enemy. You're like, I don't have any enemies. Okay, go back to the last point. You're still lying to yourself. <laughs> the only way for you not to have an enemy is to know no one, have no opinions and go nowhere. Look, I can post on Facebook or Instagram. It's a beautiful day and I'll get an enemy. There's somebody in a basement somewhere that instantly hates me. <laughs> hey, this is the most despicable day of all time. You know, and they just say something awful and terrible to me. Joshua 2, 8 to 14. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, she said, I know the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen upon all of us. Listen to me, God's working in the heart of your enemy. God's working. I know that God is working and the fear of you has fallen upon all of us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard, listen to this, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt. They heard the stories of what happened 40 years ago. Isn't it interesting that sometimes non-believers have a better memory of what God does than believers do? And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan of Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, listen, the Lord, your God, he is the God of heavens above the earth and beneath. You gotta know that this is incredible. In the ancient world, people believed that there was a God of a field, God of the sea, God of the river, God of the tree. She says, there's only one God and he's yours. She has wisdom that some Jews at this point don't have. She has understanding and depth that some of the people that will march in Joshua's army don't have because God is working. She says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord, right? It doesn't matter what you say, but I'm gonna trust what God says. Swear to me by the Lord that I have dealt kindly with you and you will also deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Listen to me, you know what your enemy cares about? His or her family, his or her friends. One of the first things we do to our, our enemies is we demonize them and we pretend they have no feelings. We pretend they have no concerns. I want you to know God is working in the heart of your enemy. I know that some of you, man, maybe it's your mom, your dad. Maybe it's a brother or a sister, a friend that stabbed you in the back. Maybe it's your ex who made commitments to you and yet has destroyed you, embarrassed you, shamed you, ripped you off. Maybe instead of hating them, you could start praying for them. Maybe instead of asking God to send them into hell because they put you in emotional hell, you could start asking God, to get him out of hell. And I believe through that prayer, he might pull you both out. And the men said to her, our life is yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us this land, we will deal kindly with you and faithfully with you. 
God is working in the heart of your enemy. Here's my question. There's no question God's working in the heart of your enemy, the person who gossips you, the person who slanders you, the person who destroys you, the person who spreads lies about you. The question is not, is God working in their heart? The question is, is God working in yours? Is he working in your heart? Oh, you say, oh, Pastor Matt, you don't know how I was wounded. You're right, I don't. I know how I've been wounded. And some of you say, well, they were Christians. They called themselves Christians. Well, who do you think murdered Jesus? It wasn't the Romans, it was believers. It was believers, right? That's why we sing this song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop working. You never stop working. God is always working. The question is he not, is, is, not, is he working in the enemy? The question is, as believers, is he working in my heart? Is he working in my heart? My wife and I got into a disagreement recently and it got intense because she failed to see the truth of what I was saying. I want you to know, I was pretty passionate when we were disagreeing. And let me tell you why. I love my wife. I love her more than you. But I think I was right. I still think I was right. But as I was waging this argument against her, I could see my wife start spinning. I could see her start sinking. Why? It's 2020. Who needs a good old fashioned fight with the love of your life? Boom. You know what? You need a good punch in the soul. <laughs> and so I realized as I'm all built up and I'm a good arguer, I can be convincing, especially when I know I'm right. <laughs> and I just watched her. I watched her start to sink. I watched her start to struggle. And I watched her as she began to just circulate and focus on all of the things that have been wrong in our life and all the things that are coming against her. And I watched my wife go under a wave of emotion. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit began to work in my heart. Do you care about being right or do you care about your wife? And I said, we just gotta stop. We gotta stop. I'm so sorry. I was right. Do you understand? If you were there, you would say, Pastor Matt was right. Jesus himself would say, Matt Brown is right. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. But you can be right and still be wrong. Do you have a heart for your enemy? Do you have a heart? Do you actually care about people? Or are you on the bandwagon of self-righteousness? You gotta start caring about people. Look, I am passionately, passionately pro-life. And you need to know that my mother almost aborted me. That's why my name is Matthew, gift from God. When she found out she was pregnant with me, she thought it was a burden. And she didn't know what to do. And she was a young woman in a bad marriage who was confused and she felt there was no way out. But sometimes as Christians, we get so self-righteous and we get into these arguments that we can't win, right? We argue with lost people about when life begins. What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Maybe instead of about asking when life begins, we need to begin to ask this question. When does motherhood begin? Because ladies, your body thinks 
motherhood begins at conception. Some of you ladies, your body knows you're pregnant before you know you're pregnant. But to all my pro-life friends, we gotta remember the woman who found herself in a horrible spot. We gotta remember that God found Rahab. Well, Rahab, you've made the choice. You chose. Yeah, she made the choice and she wanted to change her life and God let her, God let her. And we gotta remember to love people no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, because you too are a mess. You too are a mess. And instead of running around as Christians telling women we wanna force them what to do with their bodies, maybe we need to let them know we love you and we think there's a better choice. There's a better choice. Oh, I pray for you right now. Some of you are so offended. I'm going to another church that's pro-life. I'm pro-life. I just want you to stop being pro-dumb. Hebrews 13, 15. Today, when your hearts hear the voice of God, don't harden your hearts. God is softening the heart of your enemy. The people of God that harden their hearts are always the people of God. You know who doesn't care what we do at Sandals Church? Lost people. They don't care. You know who criticizes us, tears us down, makes fun of us, writes articles? Professors who call themselves Christians. Well, these guys are being successful. They must have sold their soul to the devil. <laughs> Lost people don't even know what I do. I was in an elevator in Dublin, Ireland, and I met a bunch of Arab guys. You say, how do you know they're Arab? They were speaking Arabic. He said, you're that comedian on TV that talks about God. Okay, that's me. <laughs> I told my wife I was funny. <laughs> Listen to me. As Christians, we're the one commanded to love our enemy. We're commanded. Oh, well, they cheat. Well, then you get to. No, the Bible says never repair evil, repay evil for evil. Never repay evil with good. Jesus says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, amen. But Jesus said, I say, love your enemies and pray for those who gossip and slander and destroy you and try to put you out of business. Oh, but Governor Newsom's destroyed my life. Well, maybe instead of protesting and hating on him on Facebook, you could start praying for him because so far our hate hasn't worked. So maybe we should try prayer. Look, if you're my enemy, and why are you watching if you hate me? <laughs> Go get a purpose. Like, do any of you guys, I'm gonna, I, I hate this guy, I'm gonna watch everything he says. <laughs> you need to get a life. If you're my enemy, I don't have to hate you. I'm gonna pray for you, right, amen? Haters gonna hate, but believers gotta pray. Oh, come, on. come on now. So where is God? Where is God in conflict? God is looking for a sign of personal surrender. What's wrong with America? It's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans. It's Americans. We've not surrendered to God. We've not looked God in the face. 
We've never fallen on the face. Right? Second Chronicles 7.14 doesn't say, when my people who are called by them, by my name, vote Republican, I will he heal their land. It doesn't say when my people who are called by their name get woke and they get on the Biden bus, he'll heal their land. It says when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Have you ever humbled yourself before God? Can I just say this? One of the reasons you're so upset with your enemy is you expect people who are headed to hell to act like angels. I think that's a recipe for misery. And just so you know, most people are headed to hell, contrary to what you've been taught and believe. I saw an Instagram post with a bunch of rock stars from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the post said, it's getting crowded up in heaven. I said, that's not where it's crowded. Like, that's offensive to say. These people lived a life that exemplifies everything that hell's about and rejected everything that heaven is. And yet somehow you think they're all in heaven. Jesus said, nobody's in heaven but by me. So don't wrestle with me. Wrestle with him. Most people are headed to hell. They are. So don't expect him to act like anything different than that. Start praying for them. Start reaching out for them. Start caring for them. And maybe you'll see the change that you need. Maybe you're going to see the miracle that you so desperately want. This past week, I got to lead a friend of mine to Christ. His name is Bill. In my phone, I kid you not, it says Bill Gangbanger. That's what it says. My wife makes fun of me because I always put these descriptive adjectives that aren't always positive after people's names is because none of you have to remember as many names as I do. People always come up to me, what's my name? I'm like, I have no idea. Okay, I can't even get my kids' names right most of the time. But in fairness, when they were little, they called me mom, dad, dad, mom. So, okay, I think it's even. But I got to lead my new friend to Christ this week. And I was so excited to do that. My friend Bill was headed to hell. He's lived a very, very difficult life. He's been a part of a gang for years. In my phone, it says Bill the gangbanger because he's hardcore. He's old school. I shop at Old Navy. <laughs> We met last January, and I'm serious. Look, I love leading people to Jesus. Man, I love that. If you're lost, let's meet for coffee. I'm gonna get you saved. I love doing that, okay? I'm really good at telling you how terrible you are, and you need Jesus. That's my gift. My wife says I'm really good at it. But when we met in January, I could just tell he wasn't ready. He had a big gang tattoo on his neck that identified him as a part of his gang. In that moment while we were praying and talking, I heard the Holy Spirit say, and some of you say, God speaks, God speaks. And the Holy Spirit told me, when he's ready to accept me, he'll be ready to remove that tattoo. I want you to know I never mentioned it to Bill. Never brought it up. When we met this past week to talk about his relationship with God, I just let him kind of talk because I wanted to see where he was and get a sense for what God was doing. And one of the first words out of his mouth were, I gotta go get this tattoo removed. My girlfriend has already made the appointment. And I was like, we got this guy. Go lead somebody to Jesus today. And my haters are like, you guys weren't wearing a mask. Look, maybe I got COVID, but he got Christ. Come on.
Haters gonna hate. Joshua 2, 15, 21 says this, then she let them down by a rope through a window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. You know, she lives in the safest place in the city and yet she's the first to surrender. And she said to them, go into the hills or your pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned and then afterward you may go your way. And the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall find this scarlet cord in the window. If you don't know, scarlet is the color of red. In the window through which you've let us down. And you shall gather into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Listen, here's what they're saying. Whoever you want saved, listen to this, better be in the right house. Can I ask you a question? Are you in the right house? If anyone goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, for we shall be guiltless. You know why? Because when wars happen, people die. I want you to know there's a war that's coming. And that's not China versus America or America versus Russia that you need to worry about. It's when Jesus Christ attacks all mankind and he's looking for a scarlet ribbon. Her scarlet cords were stained with dye, probably pomegranates. The only scarlet cord that will save you is stained with the blood of Jesus. Are you saved? Are you ready today? They said this, but if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood will be on our head. Isn't that amazing? They say, if you choose us, we'll save you. Isn't that incredible? And right now, as I speak, have you ever chosen God? Have you ever fallen on your face? Have you ever surrendered to Jesus? And you say, well, I was raised in church. I believed in God since I was a little kid. That's not helpful. Have you ever decided I need to be saved? Have you ever been personally convicted of your sin? Have you ever wrestled with your unrighteousness? You see, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. If you've never come to the conclusion that you're lost, how do you know that you've ever been found? But if you tell this business of ours, we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. You know what I told Bill as I led him in the sinner's prayer? I said, if you're just repeating after me, these words are useless. If there's one thing God hates, it's lying and hypocrisy. You see, if you just repeat after me, you just repeat it after me. But if you cried out to God, God heard you. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. I love this. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Jesus said something like this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and you must follow me. It's always been the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. You want God in your life, then you need to surrender your life because that's what Jesus did for you. Let me just ask you, what if everything in 2020, what if all the disasters that are happening around you, what if your business had to fail so you could be saved? 
What if the very worst thing that's happened in your life is going to lead you to the best thing that happens in eternal life? What if all this stress, all this heartache, all this pain is all working towards bringing you to the right team? I want you to know that there was a whole city that was afraid of the armies of the living God, but only one family was saved. The family of Rahab. The family of Rahab who repented of our sins, declared there is only one God and served him. Listen to this. Despite what everyone else was saying and doing, she switched teams. Have you switched? Have you been awakened to the spirit of God moving in your life? Have you done that? Some of you are Christian professors, pastors, teachers, worship leaders. You've never fallen on your face and confessed your sin and given your life to Jesus. As I prayed over Bill, he's buff, buffer than me. His nickname is Flex. When that, man, why don't I have a name like that? <laughs> Flex. My wife gave me a nickname as El Brother. As I prayed over this massive man, covered in tats, as I prayed over him, I could feel heat like fire, like hell itself was radiating off his body. My hand began to burn as he began to weep. And one of the things I asked God to take away was his anger, his rage, his malice, and his heartache. And he prayed that prayer and we invited the Holy Spirit into his life. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace, joy, patience, goodness, love, gentleness, self-control. We prayed for those things to be present in his life. You can only have those things if you have Jesus. Have you repented of your sins and given your life to Jesus? I want you to know that Jesus has raised his scarlet flag. Let me ask you, have you raised your white flag? Have you thrown in the towel? Have you said, I surrender? When I was a small kid growing up in a Baptist church, we used to sing a song, all to thee, I surrender. All to thee, listen to this, I surrender all. What a song, what a song. If you sing it, if you say it, if you mean it, just like Rahab, you're saved. Here's the beauty of this story, this prostitute, this manager of a brothel, this well-known woman for all the wrong reasons in her town, changed her life. And when she changed her life, listen to me, mom, listen to me, dad, she forever changed the life of her descendants. When you open your Bibles to the book of Matthew and you read the lineage of Jesus, you're going to find a name, not tucked under a rug, not pushed aside. It is the name Rahab. Because when Rahab switched teams and she joined the God of the Jews, she became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. God just didn't save her, but he used her to help save you. That's what God does. He can take anything and put some new clothes on it. He can bring new healing and he can make what's broken beautiful. If you will surrender to Jesus today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Holy Spirit, I want you to help me ask this question. Are we saved? 
Am I saved? Have I surrendered? Right now, if you're listening and you need to surrender, maybe again, you've gone your own way. Would you just lift your hand and say, I surrender all to thee, I surrender. Whether for the first time or the last time, God, we surrender in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, amen. Do you need to surrender your all? Pastor Matt said that God is looking for a personal surrender from you, from us. Rahab surrendered. Even Bill the gangbanger surrendered. At some point in time, all of us have to surrender to something. All of us have to give our life to something or someone. This could be your moment right now to say yes to Jesus, to surrender your all to him, to give your life to him. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And if that is you, if you know this is your moment and today is the day, you can right where you are, you can stand up if you're sitting. You can, you can raise your hand or maybe some of us need to kneel. Whatever you do, take a posture of surrendering. We're gonna pray. Lord God, Lord God, there are many of us who have felt your tugging today. And, and maybe that tugging wasn't just today, but we have felt that tugging for a long time. But today, Lord, for those who have their hands raised, for those, dear God, who have stood up, for those who are kneeling, dear God, we are going to pray, dear God. And those individuals are going to repeat after me. And so if that's you out there, I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for me that you died so that my sins could be washed away. Oh, Lord, I am a sinner. And I thank you for saving me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, take control of my life. Jesus, I surrender all. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. And today is a new day. You have new life with him. But it doesn't stop there. We here at Sandals Church, we wanna, we wanna walk alongside of you. So please let us know by going to sandalshirts.com slash next and let us know that you have taken this step. 
Today is a new day and you have new life.
This is how I fight my battles. Mm-hmm. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, my weapon is my worship. My weapon is my praise. My weapon is my worship. My weapon is my praise. This is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. Church, this is how we fight our battles. With worship. where you are, just lift those hands. This is a spiritual expression of our worship and our freedom and our victory in Christ Jesus. So as we sing this song, receive freedom, receive joy, receive victory. This is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. This is how. 
This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We worship you. There's a table that you prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I find my battle. Like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded 
in this moment as we worship him. The word of God declares in Psalms 32, 7, he says, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Shouts of deliverance. Shouts of freedom. Church, God is in this place. And right now, as you sing, as you worship, God is bringing freedom and he's bringing deliverance. So right now, let's just take a moment. Let's shout. Let's sing unto our God. For we are free. We are victorious. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, let's sing this out. sing one more song. We're going to sing a song of victory and freedom. Now is the time to shout. Now is the time to sing. Let's lift our voice. Come on, church. Clap those hands. God is here. Come on. Oh. 
I have loved spending time with you all. I hope you have received exactly what you needed from God today. Please continue to stay connected to St. Church throughout the week, and we will see you back here next weekend. And don't forget that Jesus asked us to be the church, and the world needs us to be the church, and not just the church, the real church. We'll see you next week. Two.